Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 265 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by, he's back, he's back, he's back. It is the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, my man. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back. It's been uh, it's been a couple weeks without you there. It's, um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we've been we've been doing shows pretty much throughout the entire lockdown. And um, you know what? We've been speaking to this. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, Eddie, and, and I'll, I'll explain. Um, this is a conversation I was having with my partner, um, yesterday I was saying like she was saying oh you know we need to go back to America soon and all this and I was saying I don't really feel the urge to go anymore right now because obviously I came out there last August and then I came out there right. this January and ever since I got back we've pretty much done a podcast every single week so I don't miss you yet Eddie <laughs> well that's yeah because we we had we ain't had no time apart, so so to speak. You know what I mean? So yeah, you true. That's true. And I get you. I it's understand. not like these podcasts are just quick five minute things. We're always on the phone for an hour to two hours anyway. So anyway, yeah. that won't be the case today. We're going to get through things very quickly. Like I say, episode two hundred and sixty-five. Um, the interview that we have later on, it's going to be with a former IBF featherweight world champion, Lee Selby. That will be Box Hard Podcasts. Um, 500th interview, so it's a bit of a milestone there, um, yeah, episode 265, ideally we like to have two two guests per show, so that, that would mean that we should really have 500 and, what's that, 500, 28, yeah, that's uh, 285, two, 265 times 2, what's that, that's um, 530, right, so, yeah, we should have... Yeah, well. Yeah, five five thirty. Yeah, we should have had five hundred and thirty guests, but really and truly, throughout this lockdown and stuff like that, it slowed everything down. It's been difficult trying to get two guests on, especially when we're doing these big, long, in-depth interviews with fighters from the yesteryear. But, anyways, 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 sorry for rambling. Jumping into the review part of the show, we're going to start with here, uh, then on to the news, then we'll welcome our sole guest, and then we will do the preview part to to finish off the show. Um, and I've also got a question for you, Eddie, so don't let me forget about that. Trivia question, nice and easy this week, I believe. Anyway, oh, <laughs> you're not getting away from that one. Give me something I can get, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, review part here. We're going to start at the RCC Boxing Academy in Russia. Um, we had a undefeated heavyweight on the bill, um, Magomed Kurbanov, he's now 21-0, and 0, a TKO for him in two rounds against Dmitry Mikolenko, who's now 23-7. and 7. Um, But the kind of main attraction, I guess, I mean, there's another undercard fight I should mention, Evgeny Tishenko, that's the 
2016 Olympic gold medalist, he took on John McCallum, um, a Brit, John McCallum. Anyway, Tishenko, the, the gold medalist, was able to knock out our man McCallum in, in just two rounds. That one was for the vacant WBO European Cruiserweight title. Um, and, yeah, like I say, the main attraction for me, Evgeny Romanov, he's now the... Um, the WBO global heavyweight champion. He's now 15-0. and 0. A KO for him in two rounds against... I didn't know he was still fighting until last week, Eddie. Sergei Lyakovich getting knocked out in two rounds here. Um, in in Russia. Um, which, which, yeah. which, by the way, while we're here, Eddie, just really quickly, because I don't want to go off in another direction, but it's just kind of jumped in my head now. The WBC, as we spoke about the other day, have decided to now announce this new weight class. I think it's from twin, uh, 20, 200 pounds to, is it 224 or is it 229? I can't remember. Anyway, it's going to be called the Bridger weight. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Eddie? Because a lot of people are not happy about that. But obviously for guys like yourself, like even a Usyk, even a Michael Hunter, guys that are not six foot six, six foot seven and plus... Um, is is something you've been calling out for, especially you, for years and years. What's your thoughts? Is this good or bad for boxing, real quick? Well, I feel like nowadays, you know, the the, the heavyweight division is kind of you know it's kind of dated. So, absolutely, if you look at the U the MMA, you look at the UFC, which is the biggest in MMA. Their their light heavyweight their light heavyweight division is two oh five. You know what I'm saying, and obviously everything above that, but is is um, is is heavyweight. But their maximum weight is 265. You can't be any but anything above 265. So I mean, the way we do things, and we're looking at it just because we're bigger men. You know what I mean, over 200 pounds. But you still have it with the height and size and weight advantages, man. These it's just it's just it's a little bit too much. I feel like this 224 to uh, if it's 224 to 200 is a good is the perfect storm for the for the actually the heavyweight division. And it should be. I like the Bridger weight thing, but I think it should be called the heavyweight division, and then the one above it should be called super heavyweight, in my opinion. But that's just me. Yeah, that, that's something I think probably sounds better. Um, just to confirm, think about this. go on. Think about this. Think about this, Joe. Back in the day when heavyweights were, you know, back, you know, in those days, the heavyweights were I like, know what you're uh, say. yeah, Rocky Marciano sized. But all of those guys were in and around the same size. There was a couple guys that may have been a little bit bigger, like the heaviest guy might have been like 215 or something like that, maybe even all, all the way up to 220. But without that that huge gap, like a guy 260, 270 pounds, and if he was that big, he moved like a robot, so he was easy to beat in other ways. But it was just like, man, it's just there was never that same kind of advantage back then. So that's why the division now I think is dated because now guys are that big and can move. So it's just really not that, it's not that fair. It's not really, it's not fair at all, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's fair what you're saying. Cause you know, you look at a Rocky Marciano and guys from that era there. And even before that, and you know, what are they now? What are they now? What's Rocky now? What was he? Um, he would be a cruiserweight. He was to like a 188, 190. I thought he was even less than that, but yeah, anyway. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Yeah. So like, their, yeah, cruise weights. But yeah, times have changed, but the weights have stayed the same. Um, but just right. to confirm, it is going to be between two hundred pounds and two hundred and twenty-four pounds. That is, that's confirmed. Um, anyway, moving on, moving on. Like I say, getting back to, to getting back to the path we were on. 
Uh, going over now to the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, California. Over here we had heavyweight Frank Sanchez, the Cuban. He's now 16-0, and 0, a KO for him in four rounds against Brian Howard, who's now... Uh, 15 and 4. That one was um, for the WBO, NABO heavyweight title. Howard was down once in round 3 and twice in the fourth and final round. Uh, also on the undercard, we had Michael Polite Coffey. Uh, he's now 11 and 0, a TKO for him in two rounds against Joey Abel. Joey Abel was down in the first round and um, he injured his right arm. Um, in that fight, unfortunately, Joey Abel. Uh, also on the bill, heavyweight Cuban Luis Ortiz. He's now uh, 32 and 2, a KO for him in one round against Alexander Flores. Flores was down, um, and oh, it was absolutely terrible. I'm guessing you haven't seen the the, the stoppage, Eddie. I've I seen it. Oh, <laughs> I seen okay, it. that's perfect. What did you think of that, man? I mean, geez. I mean, look, you know, sometimes we, you know, you get in there with a guy, and I'm not trying to say this, that, that he didn't want to continue or whatever, but you get in there with a guy and maybe you feel something and then you start looking at the exit like, man, I don't think I want this guy to be putting his hands on me too much. Um, and I and I don't know if that was the case. I mean, I think he threw a shot and, land, and slightly landed the body shot and maybe his bicep did hit him and he hit him with enough force to somewhat hurt him. But man, where I'm from, and from you know, you think my, you think I would have been able to go back to the corner with my dad in my corner talking about I can't see or I'm tired or I'm dizzy or I can't get up. Man, my dad would have beat me up more worse than uh, Ortiz would have beat him up. So you know what I mean? It's like at the end of the day, you got to keep fighting, man. You know what I mean? If you, if I, I, I can see if you're physically unable, but I just, I don't, I just don't know if he was. And I'm not trying to, you know, clown anybody because this is a rough sport, man. It's a really difficult sport, but. At the end of the day, man, something like that, you gotta you gotta try to continue. You know what I mean? Do your best. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean <laughs> one of the worst knockouts I've seen. Um yeah. I actually I, I don't know, sometimes you see something that's so bad that it's almost good. And that's what I kind of think of <laughs> Flores. He yeah. I almost want to applaud him for going down from that shot because it's hard to go down from that shot. I don't think if, if Luis Ortiz hit me with that shot, I'd have gone down. It would have been difficult to throw myself on the floor, but he made it look pretty good. So I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be said, Eddie. You know, it has to be said. Yo, that's just like, I'm trying to say it, but not say it. You can do it, Joe. I can't. You know what I mean? But the reality of it is, man, it was bad. It was bad. You got to get up. You got, look, if you really can't continue, you'll, you know what I mean? It'll show, but, but come on, man. You know what I mean? You can't, you, yeah, it looks really bad. Really bad. I believe that that bill as well just had heavyweights on it, which, um, which yeah, it's quite, quite cool. But I think the, um, the California state athletic commission, I believe I I read something about their potentially, uh, withholding with, you know, uh, putting a kind of freeze on his purse, actually, um, which I mm-hmm. think is probably the right thing to do. Anyway, moving out now to the Bonita Springs Elks Lodge in Florida, USA. Over here, return to the ring for former two-time um, 154 world champion. Three and a half years out of the ring, he returns here. I think he's got to be about, I want to say he's about 47 or 48. Do you know who I'm going to say? Who's that? From the um... comp. Oh, 47 or 48. From the Kronk. Damn. Former, 
like I say, one fifty four, two time world champion. He actually shared a shared a sparring session with Tyson Fury. He's, he's very small though in height, even for one fifty four. Damn it! It's right in my wait. Oh, you talking about um? Wait, was he? Was he? I didn't know he was a world champ. Now that I think about it, he go ahead say it so I can make sure that I'm right. Uh, you knew this guy was a world champ. Anyway, Cornelius K9 Bundridge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thirty-seven. Right, right. Gone. No, go ahead. I'm good. I'm good. Thirty-seven and six now. His opponent Antoine Ellison retired in his corner after the uh, after the fourth round he didn't come out for round five of a six rounder there he's looking to get back active cornelius bundridge a guy who um shares the same birthday as me actually um anyway oh, yeah. moving out now to the seminal hard rock hotel and casino in hollywood florida usa over here let's start with the undercard um Philip Hergovic, the Olympic bronze medalist, now 12-0, and a KO for him in five rounds against Rydell Booker, who's now 26-4. and Booker was down in the second round, but like I say, TKO'd in round five. Um, it's, it's led to a lot of kind of, um, I guess, media attention, because after the fight, Hergovic went to the camera and um, they said, you know, who do you want to fight next? The first name that he said was Michael Hunter. And then he went on to list a yeah. few others. But, of course, that that um, didn't take long for, for Michael to respond. And now he's saying, yeah, yeah, let's get the fight on. Eddie Hearn wants that fight. The Sauerlands, I think, who who control Hergovic want that fight. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a fight that I, I don't really... F- I don't really like the fight because I think Mike should be in bigger fights than than Hergovic is kind of like they're both low uh low reward high risk type of guys I think but I think Mike deserves a much bigger payday a better fight than that but you know whatever he'll he'll fight anyone at the minute I think um also on the card the heavyweight uh 6 foot 6 southpaw chinese uh, Olympic silver medalist Zilil Zhang. He's now 22 and 0. A KO for him in round four against Devin Vargas, who's now 22 and 7. Go on. Wow, De- Devin Vargas. That was one of my old nemesis from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I fought Devin in the amateurs. He was a really good amateur, especially as a junior. And he actually, I think, was the Olympic alternate. I could be wrong. Where he was like, I think he almost made the Olympic team. Something like that. I can't remember. But uh, but he was uh, that's crazy. He said Devin Vargas from Toledo, Ohio. Wow. But go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but the main Devin on the card, of course, was Devin Haney defending his WBC World Lightweight title against Uriel Gamboa. Um, Gamboa had a point deducted for holding in the eleventh round. Um, I don't think the referee did a good job, to be completely honest. The referee was Telis Asimenios. Um, but yeah, 12 round unanimous decision for Haney, who's now 25 and 0. Uriel Kiskamboa now uh, 30 and 4. Um, do you know what? What kind of annoyed me about this fight here in particular was because before the fight, you know, Haney was kind of blasting Tiafimo Lopez for fighting Lomachenko because Lomachenko was apparently really old. And Uriel Kiskamboa is even older than, than Lomachenko. And what Haney predicted, by the way, Eddie, before the fight was he predicted he would knock Gamboa down four times, which is a strange prediction because that means that you, you know, that means he's going to get up four times from being put down. But that was his prediction. He was going to put him down four times and he was going to knock him out in the end. 
and of course there was no knockdowns at all and um you know he cruised to a relatively easy win i think haney um mm. i i think that as i've said before i wish he had a bit more power i think the power as he kind of steps up in level is is um you know something that's lacking um it is his best opponent really on paper by by a far margin a big margin um gamba yeah. which which is kind of frustrating because you know devin haney when you kind of compare his you know his his record to these other guys he doesn't have the depth of record that Javonte has or Tiafimo has or Lomachenko has in much less fights than Haney by the way i know he turned pro at about 16 or 17 i like the way he's been doing things but his record is becoming um a bit padded now you know he hasn't he hasn't beaten a world level fighter i wouldn't say Gamboa's world level anymore he's a gatekeeper at best he hasn't beaten a world level fighter or anything near it and he's a world champion and he's being talked about as potentially being able to beat all these other guys without proving it in any sense against anyone um but yeah swiftly moving on i don't think you saw that fight did you Eddie? no no i didn't i was actually trying to see it but it was on the zone and i don't think i had subscribed at the at the right time. I don't know. That's all good. And I wanted to see it because I wanted, and I also wanted to find out was that a fight with the um, heavyweights with the guy that I remember from when I was young that I used to fight that I that I fought a few times. Was that fight televised as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, I would have liked to have seen it <laughs> just just to kind of think about the past. And and the funny thing is, he actually beat me twice, which is crazy. But that's <laughs> that's what happened. Anyway, anyway, moving out now to uh, the BT Sports Studio in Stratford, London. Um, this one was on Tuesday, so a couple of days ago. Um, over here on this card, let's start with the undercard. They had some kind of um, ultimate boxer tournament, which is some kind of like prize fighter type tournament where you know there's there's four fighters, two fight each other, and then there's like a you know a final between the two winners on the same night, all over three rounds. Um, Paulie Malinagi is involved in this company as well, so he was there. Um, so we had Harry Woods, 4-0, against the undefeated Mike McGoldrick, 6-0. Uh, Mike McGoldrick was able to beat Harry Woods, which, you know, put McGoldrick into the finals. And Zach Chelly, 7-1 with a draw, was able to beat on points Vladimir Georgiev, who was 4-0. So it was Chelly against McGoldrick in the final, and Chelly was able to TKO McGoldrick in the second round. So Zach Chelly, two fights in one night. Uh, he's now 9-1 with a draw. Uh, elsewhere on the card, we were supposed to see the debut of um, of, of Jack Fincham. He's a guy that's pretty famous for being on the uh, reality TV series Love Island. And, you know, he's, he's he was a boxer before that. He was an amateur boxer. He had a few fights. He was going to be turning pro, but he had a car crash last week and broke his nose. So that put him out of the out of the fight. Uh, also on the card, Florian Marku, that's the Romanian welterweight. He wants to fight Conor Ben so badly, but doesn't look like it's going to happen. But anyway, a good win for him, a TKO in the very first round against Muma Mwiba. Uh, Mwiba was down three times prior to the stoppage in that first round. And the top of the bill, Michael Lawal, now 13-0, a points win over six rounds against Ozzy Gervier. 
Um, moving out now to the final card to mention of the review part of the show. It took place yesterday at the Production Park Studios in South Kirkby, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. Making his debut on the card, Danny Murrell. Um, he, like I say, was making his debut against Dow Arrowsmith, who was 2-37 and 37 with a draw. Um, Danny Murrell is kind of a guy that Dave Allen bumped into once in a gym. And, you know, they clicked straight away. He decided to basically take the guy out of the gym and start kind of training him himself. He was like a mentor to Danny Murrell. And Danny Murrell, like I say, ended up signing with MTK, which is a big thing for a guy that hadn't had a fight. And I don't think he had any amateur background. So basically, um, Dave Allen has kind of, you know, springboarded him into a bit of popularity, I guess. And anyway, he got the win. It was a nice and easy win over... Over four rounds um, on points. And also on that card, we saw uh, wins for um, Paddy Donovan over Jermaine Camero. That one was over six rounds. Uh, Jack Rafferty with a win over Tom Hill. Rafferty now 13-0. and 0. That one was over eight. And a very good amateur by the name of, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Tursin Bay Kalukmet. He was 1-0. and 0. Very, very, very good amateur. Um, I think he's Uzbek or something like that. He got in there with Macaulay McGowan, who was also a good amateur. 14-0 and as a pro with one draw. Um, it was for the vacant WBC International Super Welterweight title. Anyway, um, Kalakmet won the fight, so he's now 2-0. and It was a brave effort from McGowan, but um, a points win over 10 there for Kalakmet. Anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. Just a couple pieces of news to quickly have a look at. And if anything else happens from now till the end of the show, I will discuss that, you know, whatever develops from now till then at the very end. Um, One kind of shame uh, that happened in in the news, it was a shame, is that the zone, as far as I knew, were going to be launching in the UK on December the 4th or December the 5th, and they were going to be launching with Ryan Garcia against our very own Luke Campbell. Now, Luke Campbell has filed a test for coronavirus. That fight's off. So I'm not sure what's happening with DAZN's launch because the entire card, I think, has collapsed now. So not sure if the launch is going to get delayed or what, but hopefully we see that fight rescheduled. Um, Pavetkin and White, as we said before, Pavetkin filed a coronavirus test. That one's been pushed back to January, I believe. Um, MTK Global have signed another really good fighter from the States, this time Virgil Ortiz Jr., who I believe is 15-0 with 15 KOs. Uh, That's very exciting. And like I say, um, I'll get to it in in the preview part, but there's been a few people test positive for coronavirus on Frank Warren's upcoming show in a couple of days' time. So uh, positive tests have have come back from uh, Michael Rambaletza, Casey Kadimi, he obviously is is trained by John Tandy, friend of the show, and Masood Abdullah. So all three fighters uh, off the bill and obviously their opponents, I'm guessing. So that's a shame. That's a bit of a blow there. But like I say, that's it for the news. Uh, getting on to the question, Eddie. I'm going to throw this at you just just quickly before we bring in uh, our sole guest. Um, this one was sent in from Luigi Pelosi. He's he's a he's a big supporter of the show, friend of the show, very good guy. He says, "I've got a question for Eddie that he should answer easily." You ready for this? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I'm not, All right. I'm, this this should be quite. Quite easy for you, Eddie, to be completely honest. This is a lob. Uh, we, we're going to find out. We're going to see. <laughs> okay. So, 
who handed who handed marvelous Marvin Hagler his first loss? Oh, um, we don't want to. F- oh no, 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 no! I'm sorry. It was. It was. I think it might have been. He's either Bobby Boogaloo Wise or it's Cyclone Hart. I think one of those. Or no, it's Cyclone. One of the no. God damn it! What's his name? The other guy. Like the other guy. Like I don't know. I just. I just can't think of his name right now. Was it Bob? Was it Boogaloo that did, did it? Yeah, first it was. It was. You got yeah, it right. Yeah, it was Bob. Okay, okay. I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad it was him, because I can't remember. You were, gonna tr- you were trying but... to think of Willie Monroe. Yeah, there you go, Willie the Worm. That was what I was gonna say. It was. I was. I could not remember. And I'm so mad that I couldn't remember. But I. But I couldn't remember who won. Who beat him first? Yeah. And. At first, I was about to say Vito Water Inferno, but I was like, wait, no, that was a draw, and that was later in his career. I was like, wait, when I talk about it, it was two guys from Philly that beat him. And funny enough, I was in the gym with Bobby Boogie Watch for a while, for a, for a while over at Augie's gym before it closed down. So, yeah, man, I, I knew these guys. I ran across these guys several times. So, except for Willie uh, uh, Monroe, I haven't really spent a lot of time around him, but Boogie Watch for sure. Okay, so it's a win this time for you, Eddie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I haven't been yeah, keeping was... score, but I think it's is it four two? Yeah, yeah. yeah two, well, no, two and four. Two and four. Two yeah, wins. You know, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Damn. Well, it's, it's a good one. Shout out to Luigi Pelosi there. And um, that was a good. Huh? That was that's a, that is still a good question. Yeah, it's easy for me because of where I am, and you know, as, as far as geography. You know, geographically, because I'm in Philly or the Philly area, I was spent many times in many gyms there. So of course, those that's a softball question for me. But for for some other guys, maybe not. Yeah. And just because guys are in the sport does not necessarily mean they have a great understanding of boxing history oh, of course. either. So I want to remind you that. So, <laughs> but anyway, go ahead, you got it, man. But yeah, anyway, that brings uh, part one to a close. The final thing to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Lee Selby. Lee, welcome back on the show, my man. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Lee. Always a pleasure, my friend. So we last spoke back in March, Lee. It was um, uh, at that time, obviously, you were you were set to box Cambosos in Cardiff on May 9th with fans. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, obviously, the fight takes place a week and a half ago in London. No fans at all. Before we get onto the fight itself, did you kind of feel that your performance maybe suffered in some way at all due to having no fans and the fight not being in Wellesley? Um, I think with the yeah, I think I would have performed better with, with fans and being in my home in my hometown for after, after being so so long not boxing there. I, I definitely think I would have performed better and I would have been up for the fight a bit more. And how different is it from a sparring session, Lee? And I ask this because you're a well-travelled sparer. You've sparred guys all over the place. Yeah. Aside from the fact, obviously, no one had big gloves or headgear on. How different is it from a spar? Yeah. Um, it's still a lot different. It's just like, it's like a fight, really. But, um, you know, in, in the gym, when I'm sparring away, I, I do perform a lot better. I, I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but I'm a lot better than in sparring. But, like, the, the only... I think I found was a bit strange with no fans. It was like sat in the corner, you can hear yourself like breathing and stuff. 
Whereas when there's a pack that I really can can end up, it just felt a bit a bit strange. Yeah. And, and getting onto the fight itself, I've made no secrets in saying that I felt you won the fight. I remember going onto Twitter at the time, and everyone was was yeah. divided. Um, I know you've only partially watched the fight back, but how do you think you scored it? Well, when I was in the when I was boxing, I thought I was winning fairly comfortable, and um, you know maybe like eight, eight rounds to four. And my corner thought I was winning as well, so I was just boxing behind the jab and just just keeping it keeping it simple. I thought I was in the fight. The, the kid was, um, he wasn't really catching me clean. He catched me at one or two shots. The rest were like hitting arms and, and gloves. And I just thought I, I was winning the fight. To be honest, it was, although I didn't get the decision, it was like one of my easiest fights I've had. Like, after the fight, there was no mask on my face, no, no aches, no, no pains or nothing. And I, I think it was round eight, was it? It was a two-minute round. Did you notice it all on the night? Um, well, my, my one of my corner team he always times around anyway so he, he said that was a two minute round and then Chris and the guy joked he said oh, that was good because he won that round he said. <laughs> but um yeah it was it was cut short, but and who knows what, what could have happened in that, in that one round yeah, I mean, like I say, I had it in the end nine three to you, Lee. I had it, I had it really wide. Um, what did you kind of think you did best, and what do you think George did best? Because you know we heard a lot about his his quick hands and stuff like that. But I criticise him because I think he had, you know, he's got quick hands. There's no denying it. But I don't think he was throwing combinations. He was kind of just single punching. I felt, especially early on, you know. Yeah, well, I, I was boxing well, like with the, with the movement and behind the left jab. The basic, basic boxing. And he, he was trying the power shots, but like they, they look powerful if, if you watch the back, but there were no difference when he ever shot them in that way. And like I said, they, they, he was hitting gloves, elbows, and seldom caught me clean. And when, when he did it, didn't have no effect. It looked like he was putting more into his punches. If I felt like I was hitting him, like more shots. And in your own words, you, you told me first time around when this fight got made, when we last spoke, you said Cambosos is the most important fight of your career. You said that, you know, it's a must-win fight because, uh, you know, because of, of the stage you're at. Because of the manner of the loss, Lee, do you feel like it, it changes the significance of the outcome at all? Like I said, a lot of people had you winning. I, I think so. Like, like I said, I thought I, I, thought I won the fight, but I didn't get the Definitely, if I got if I got beat like fair and square or knocked out or something like that, then there'd be chance to hang up. And what do you think you will end up doing next, Lee? I know it's early, obviously. Um, it, it depends, like what happens to my ratings and stuff. Like I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be boxing like a European level, or like boxing for a European title or something, something like that. I don't want to be taking no backward steps. And like. One thing I never want to do is like finish my career. How a lot of fighters do, like being like sort of like a, a measuring stick or a stepping stone for like these prospects. I'll be out of the game before that starts happening. But like I, I, I want to continue to box. Now I want to be in a couple of big fights. Like and I, like I, I'm always going to be a credible opponent or through my career. So I'm a former world champion. I've only lost two fights. One was a world title defense, making my fifth defense. And the other, a final eliminator for the world title. And I lost one early on, which I thought was a decision there as well. But like that, that's an irrelevant question. But like I'm always a credible opponent. 
even if I lost my next five fights, I'd still be a credible opponent because of because of my resume. So they, they should still be big fights for me, and that, that's why I want to be involved in. And Lee, who are you actually with promotionally right now? Um, I'm I'm still like a free agent. I, I'm not signed to anybody, and I haven't been for for a while. So luckily, I can box on on any any shows. Okay. So I can box box with Eddie Hearn. He's done a great job for me. I can box on. Any, any of us go away, I can box in the mouth and do a, do a list. And we knew that the winner of, of your fight would become Tiafimo Lopez's mandatory. How do you feel yeah. George will fare against Tiafimo? He wouldn't last very long. I think he'd get knocked off. Okay. And Lee, yourself aside, who do you feel are the top five kind of best lightweights in the world at the minute? Obviously, everyone's talking about Haney and Tiafimo and yeah. Loma and Garcia Campbell, Javonte Davis, if he's going to be back at 135. What's yeah. your order from one to five? Um, to be honest, I'm going to order, but you'd have to put Lopez as number one after beating Lomachenko. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult to say like on any other... On any given night, with those top boys, it only takes one to have a slightly underpowered performance, which happens. You, you can't be 100% every time. And one to box out of their skin, and then they could beat the other. Like, they all got great attributes. You know, Lopez, he can box and he can punch. Haney, you've seen him the other day. He's, he's, a, he's a beautiful boxer. Don't don't have the same sort of power as Lopez. And then you've got Javante Davis, who, who, who can do it all. But again, he was taking trust by, um, by Santa Cruz. You know, a bigger guy could have could have done some damage, but again, he's a massive, massive boxer, explosive puncher. It's difficult to put him put him in order, but like Lopez, after his win over Lomachenko, you just you have to rate him as number one, I, I suppose. I don't know about the, how the how the rest of the order goes. Yeah, but he has to be number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And just before we wrap it up, Lee, um, if I, I always ask you this as well, if you've got any closing words at all, just to the listeners, obviously you've had you've had such a good career. You know, it's every fight you've yeah. been, especially recently since moving up, moving up two weight classes. Um, you've you've had exciting fights in every fight. To be honest with you, what's your what's your message anyway to the listeners, my friend? Before you go, I just want to just thank all the, all the all the fans of mine just for the continued support, and hopefully I can be in some more big fights. In, in the very near future. How soon do you want to be back out, Lee? Well, like I said, the last fight didn't really take a toll on my body. I, I feel I feel fine. No, no aches, no bruises, no cuts. So I'm, I'm ready to go as, as soon as possible. But like with, with this COVID, who knows when I'm going to be fighting again? It's, it's going to end a lot of um, a lot of prospects and the journeyman's careers, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It is a shame. But listen, Lee, it's always a pleasure, my friend, speaking with you. Thank you for your time. I wish you the absolute best. I can't wait to see you in a ring again, and we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. Um, Just before we get into that, by the way, I just want to let everyone know, uh, when we kind of do the Christmas special show, that's going to be... Obviously, we put a podcast out every Thursday, so I think it's going to drop on Christmas Eve, I believe. I think Christmas Eve is a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, that last show before Christmas will be the Christmas special. And, um, you know, on that show there, we're going to discuss 
pound for pound lists we're going to discuss fighter of the year knockout of the year british fighter of the year fight of the year etc 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 so send in or or not send in just yet actually i'll ask on twitter but just kind of put your thinking caps on get ready for that because we want everyone to send in as many lists as they can um like i say fighter of the year uh knockout of the year fight of the year um I've got a little list actually here. Fighter of the Year, Knockout of the Year, Fighter of the Year, Prospect of the Year, Young Fighter of the Year, Upset of the Year, British Fighter of the Year, and Most Improved Fighter of the Year. So send all of them in, and we'll also go over some pound-for-pound lists, um, which which will be quite interesting, because I put together my list um, just a few days ago, and it might change, you just never know. But um, as it stands, my list... I think is a pretty good list, of course. Um, do you want to hear my top ten list, Eddie? You might not know everyone on it, though. Probably not. So, so, but that's fine. I, I, I don't need that. Maybe I'm going to hear for the first time some guys I should pay attention to. All right. Well, top of the list, I got Crawford. Second, okay. I've got that's... I've got Inouye. Um, Okay. Third, I've got Canelo. Fourth, I've got Golovkin, which is controversial, but in my eyes, Golovkin didn't lose either of those fights to to Canelo. So in some ways, in my head anyway, oh. he, he kind of should be above Canelo, which sounds crazy, but it's my list. Um, yeah. In fifth place, I've got Usyk. Obviously a great cruiserweight, but I think since moving up to heavyweight, those two fights, I still think he's world class, of course, but don't know if I can put him in the top in the top four. So I've got him at number five. Lomachenko has moved down a few places. He was my number one. He's now in sixth place, um, which is a bit harsh. Um, a controversial one here. Not everyone will agree with this, but I've got Mikey Garcia in seventh. Um, mm. Simply because oh, his one loss came to a guy that was a giant and it was two weight classes up from where he was fighting, you know? So, you know, I thought we beat Spence, by the way, which again, backfired horrifically, but he... <laughs> against anyone his own size, I think he beats pretty much everyone his own size. I want to see him, by the way, in those fights with those lightweights. That's a, that's a name that we've forgotten about. We're talking about Tiafimo and all this invasion of young guys. Devin Haney. Let's see Devin Haney, Mikey Garcia. Imagine that fight at lightweight. Mikey's a beast at lightweight. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. Tiafimo in, in number eight. I think he wasn't in my previous pound-for-pound pound list, but after beating Lomachenko and beating um, Richard Comey the way he did last December, he's definitely crashed into the list. Number nine, Jamal Charlo. I think, you know, obviously a two-weight mm-hmm. world champion, great fighter. And number 10, I've squeezed a Brit in there, Josh Taylor. For me, hands down the best fighter at 140. Yeah. However, he's got some proving to do if he does get the Ramirez fight for all the belts. But um, anyway, moving on, like I say, sorry about the delays. Moving on to the preview part, starting here at the BT Sports Studio. Um, it's tomorrow night, actually, Friday night. Top in the bill, the rematch between Mark Heffron, 25-1 and with a draw, and Denzel Bentley, 13-0 and with a draw. Both men boxed, I think it was a couple months ago. It ended in a in a draw. Some people had one guy winning, some people had the other guy winning. And unbelievably, all three judges had it a draw, which does not happen. It was a unanimous draw. Um, over over twelve, yeah. I think. I think it was twelve. Might have been ten rounds. Anyway, this one's for the vacant British middleweight title. Tommy Fury on the undercard, three and zero. No opponent just yet, I don't think. Also on the undercard, three other undefeated guys: Mickey Burke, Henry Turner, and Kalmin Agyarko. Seven and zero is he. 
No opponents for any of those guys as it stands, listed on BoxRec anyway. Moving out now to the Wembley Arena. This one um, is somewhat history-making. It is a triple world title card, but all of the world title fights are women's fights. Um, the mm. three undercard fights, we get to see Cash Farouk, 13-1 against Angel Aviles, who's 20-5 with a draw. We've got John Doherty, 9-0, in a 10-rounder against Jack Cullen. Absolutely brilliant fight, probably fight of the night there. Eighteen and two with a draw, Cullen. Um, and the three, the three world title fights. Let's start with this. We've got Rachel Ball six and one. She gets in there against um, Jorgelina Guanini, who is nine and one with two draws. That one's for the vacant WBA world female bantamweight title. Obviously, a late replacement there for Rachel Ball. Um, it was supposed to be Ebony Icel used socks bridges but it ended up not being her and in stepped like i say jorgelina um, guanini so i'm not sure if she's any good but we shall see katie taylor defends her wbc ibf wbo and wba lightweight world titles against miriam gutierrez who's 13 and oh that one's over 10 two minute rounds um Somebody's O must go there. Not quite sure how good Miriam Gutierrez is, though. And also Terry Harper, 10-0 with a draw. She puts her WBC and IBO female super featherweight titles on the line against Katarina Thanders, who's 13-0, obviously over 10 two-minute rounds. And Michaela Meyer has been calling out the winner of that one. Uh, she's desperate to, to get one of those, mainly Terry Harper in a ring. And moving out now to the final card... This one takes place at the bubble in the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada. Starting with the undercard. Friend of the show, Joshua Greer Jr. He's in an eight-rounder against Edwin Rodriguez, who's 11-5 and five with a draw. Wow. Go on, what were you going to say? You said 11-5? Yeah. Edwin Rodriguez? Yeah, this is a different Edwin Rodriguez. I was about to say, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about a guy who was a light heavyweight, was he, I think? Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite guys I ever sparred with. He was Colombian. One of the hardest sparring right? Yeah, yeah, he was. He's tough, man. I think he got knocked tough. out by who did he get knocked out by? Got knocked out by. Uh, um, oh man. I, 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 mad dog is it? Top mad dog. dog or big dog? Top dog. Thomas Williams and, and Jr. I, that's his name. Yeah. And I, and I expected him to beat Thomas Williams too. Yeah, and Thomas. But Williams, things yeah. happen. Boxing is boxing. Yeah, Thomas you know Williams I mean? knocked him out, didn't he? In about two rounds, then he got the fight with um, Adonis Stevenson and got knocked out himself. I believe that was how yeah. it planned out, anyway. But um, yeah, Joshua Greer Jr., friend of the show, obviously a guy that has ambitions of becoming a world champion. But he's coming off that loss, that very strange loss over a majority decision um, over ten rounds in in uh, in June. And that one was in the bubble. So he's back in the bubble, this time searching for a win. He takes on, like I say, Edwin Rodriguez, who, um, yeah, Puerto Rican fighter. Um, I tell you what, he looks a hell of a lot like Emmanuel Rodriguez. I'm wondering if they're both related. They look a hell of a lot similar. Um, and they're not too far away from each other in terms of weights as well. So maybe they're brothers, actually, both from Puerto Rico, like I say. Uh, or Puerto Rico, when Eddie's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway should be a good fight all the, oh, best, all the best to Joshua Greer Jr I um, wonder if he'll be getting the pillow out he likes to bring a pillow to the weigh-in and uh, with, with you know he's going to knock his opponent out and all that stuff but 
Yeah, he should have beat that guy last time out, Mike Planier. They should have had a rematch because Greer was down twice in that fight. But anyway, leaving that there, um, moving up the card uh, to the, I think it's a co-main. Yeah, I think it's a co-main. It's a rematch between Joshua Franco, 17-1 and with two draws. He puts his WBA World Super Flyweight title on the line in an immediate rematch, like I say, against former holder of the belt, Andrew Maloney, friend of the show, the Australian fighter. Um, 21-1 and one is his record going in. Very intriguing fight. I think he was doing really well in the first fight, uh, Maloney, when he was boxing. He was doing really well, and then he seemed to kind of fight Franco's fight, and Franco's massive as well for the weight in comparison with him. And I'm not just, you know, I'm not just saying this. I think it's going to be a really, really good fight. Of course, I hope Maloney wins the fight, because he's a friend of the show Franco isn't um and you know I hope he wins but I hope he gets his belts back but I'm not sure what the vibe's going to be like because Andrew Maloney went out there to the bubble with his brother Jason who of course just got knocked out last week to uh, or the week before to Inoue so um he's he's obviously had to deal with seeing that and then he's he's had to stay there in in the states for another two weeks training or whatever um i'm just hoping he can you know he's in the right mind frame anyway i spoke to him just just uh, briefly if he wins the fight we'll probably get him on next week's show and the main event um terence bud crawford eddie 36 and 0 my pound for pound number one uh obviously puts his wbo welterweight title on the line and he takes on our very own my very own Kel Brook, thirty-nine and two over twelve rounds. Um, intriguing fight, a little bit from the get-go when it got made. I thought that, and I still kind of feel this way. If I had to put money on it, I've got Terence Crawford kind of picking him apart. Too accurate, too active, and I think he may even get the stoppage late on against Kel Brook. However, however, Kel Brook has got himself into fantastic shape. Um, he's he's massive, massive for welterweight. Terence obviously isn't massive for welterweight, so that kind of size factor does intrigue me because, as we know, when Kel moved up two weight classes to fight uh, to fight Golovkin, it was absolutely ridiculous that he did that, and that seemed to completely collapse his his career. He was doing really well. He was an active world champion. He had his eyeballs smashed in pieces, and um, he dropped back down, crashed the weight, and. Was it? I think it was his very next fight he took on Errol Spence. Yeah, it was his very next fight. He got in there with Errol Spence. He come down, crashed away, and it was a great fight while he last while it lasted. By the way, I think he he started the fight really well, but then uh, Errol Errol Spence smashed his other eye. I believe it was so. Anyway, since then he's come back with three wins. He hasn't looked amazing doing it, to be honest with you, and he. Um, I think split with his trainer. Then I think he got back with him. Then I think he split with him again. I'm not even sure who is in his corner. But anyway, he's out there. Um, it's just, it's just kind of for me. Um, it depends on what Kel Brook turns up because I remember before when he went to the states and he he beat Sean Porter for the world title. Obviously, a few years ago now. But when he went out there. No one gave him a chance, you know. He was going out there, no one gave him a chance, no pressure on him, and he pulled off the win. And it was an upset at the time, a big upset. And like I say, to crash the weight against Spence, who's big for the weight, um, it wasn't good. It kind of, you know, it, coming off that loss to Golovkin, it, 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 everything was in Spence's favor, aside from the fact that the fight took place in Brooks' hometown. 
to lose to Golovkin, no shame in that, man. Jeez. And then here he is against, you know, a great, great fighter in, 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 in Terence Crawford. But something's telling me that Brooks going to do well in this fight. I still don't think he's going to win it. But I think he's going he's gonna to more than show up for a paycheck. I'm not sure how much he's getting paid. But um, I, I think he's going to do well. I'd love to see him do it. I, I'm a big, big fan of Kell Brooks. But I hope it's a good fight. I hope it's not one-sided like I initially thought it was. But as the fight's getting closer, I just I just sense something. I think it's going to be a good fight. Anyway, Eddie, how'd you see it? Honestly, man, Kell Brook, the way he was, you know, initially before those two tough fights he had with those two guys, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said he would have been the favorite. Because, you know, I still believe that Terrence Crawford is one of the best fighters in the world, pound for pound. But I would have definitely given him a much better chance. And the fact, like you said, that he's a big, big, a pretty big welterweight, strong, very, very good boxer. Uh, it would have been like, not a toss-up. Like, I would have still favored Crawford, but I would have been like, man, this is going to be a tough one for me. But like you're saying, I mean, I haven't seen him, but he, I guess you're saying he's in really, really good shape. He's... uh out to I'm pretty sure he's out there he has something he really wants to prove and a lot of people are discounting him because of the last two fights he's had uh, I guess he's well not these last two fights but the last two big fights he's had he hasn't uh done well I guess now in these comeback fights or whatever or said he looked really really strong in them so there's a there's a bit he has to prove he wants to get back up into the into the good graces of the people he really wants to be able to be able to showcase that he's still alive and still a live dog and actually can still be a a force in the division and obviously with a win over Crawford would definitely do a lot in saying that it would actually I mean it may not I don't know if you put him in your pound for pound list but damn sure it would definitely put him in a list somewhere on somebody's list. Especially, I'm pretty sure fans of him. But I just think at this point, Crawford's just too good, too sharp, too too young, too you know what I mean, too too and too much into the prime of his life, you know, along with his uh, boxing career, to be beaten by somebody that he uh, that he should be, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to say that Kell Brook isn't quality because he damn sure is. But at this stage in his career, I don't think he'll have enough, and I don't like saying that because. People probably look at me and say the same thing. Like, would I be able to get out there and do something of of any note at this stage in my life? And it's like most people would say no. It's unlikely. So I don't like saying that. But you got to be realistic. This is like one of the pound-for-pound pound best fighters in the world, Terrence Crawford. So even if he did have something left and he does put a, put together a good performance, it's still not going to be enough in my opinion. Yeah, um, I... I... I, I was trying to find the same kind of words as what you said there about the prime that that um, Terence, you know, is is entered yeah. really, and he's doing so well. Like I say, since moving up to one four seven, um, and a lot of people were unsure because you know when he when he vacated all those belts at one forty and he moved up, one four seven was red hot at the time. They were saying, mm, how long is it right. going to take for him to pick up a belt? Is he going to make that mark? And he has. He's won every fight since stepping up by knockout as well. So that's an even further statement. That's great. But um, yeah. I just think that yeah, he's 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 in the prime of his life right now. One interesting factor, even though Kell Brook is towards the end of his career and. You know, he's, um, he's he, I think his best days are definitely behind him. This would have been a great fight if we could somehow put Kel in a time machine for about three or four years or five years ago. But, um, 
yeah, there's only a year between them. Kell Brook's a year older than Crawford, you know, so the age isn't a big thing. We sometimes forget about that. And Crawford himself, this is going to be his 37th fight. Kell, this will be his 42nd. So there's, you know, there's there's five fights more there for Kell. And to be completely honest with you, in his kind of come up, I think Kell had quite a padded record at times. So it's not like he's took a hell of a beating aside from in the fight right. with, with um uh, he's had a couple of bang-ups, but against Golovkin, obviously, which didn't last too long, but the damage was done. And um, Spence, you know, in the later rounds, he really gave it to him, didn't he? But I just think, I don't know, man, I, I thought Kel needed to retire when I saw him in some of those comeback fights after losing to Spence. I think there was one against Michael Zarafa. Um, I think it was that one there. For me, he was so under-impressive. I thought, nah, man, he, he needs to go. Like, you know, forget it. He's finished, man. Amir Khan, um, I think I'd favor over him and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. I just think going out there to America, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's another kind of. It gives you that excitement, fighting away from home, no distractions. Um, you know, knowing that you've got to win this fight, otherwise it's pretty much curtains for your career. I just think Kell Brook's going to give it his all, and I liked to see him with his t-shirt off in the shape he was in because I thought, wow, he's really took this seriously. However. I hope he does actually make the weight because, you know, that we could find out a lot on the scales, unfortunately. So I hope he makes the weight. Um, he's brought a nutritionist on board and all that stuff. Um, I hope he makes the weight and I hope it's a good fight. I'd love to see him do it, but of course I can't I can't really see him beating my pound-for-pound pound number one fighter. So I'd love to see him do it. hope it's a good fight. I hope it's not boring. I hope, you know, Kel doesn't run out of steam in the late rounds and I can just see Bud's activity and accuracy uh, getting too much in the end. I don't want to see Kel getting battered. That's, that's something I don't want to see. So um, we'll mm. see anyway. But yeah, I favor, you have to favor um, Terence Crawford. But I don't know, there's, I've just got this weird feeling in the air. The fight's gone under the radar, even over here. It's a massive fight, you know? So it's a really big fight. But over here, it's not going to be on Sky. It's not going to be on BT. It's been picked up by a kind of small channel called Premiere TV or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really gone under the radar. I just think without the pressure on Kel, I don't know, man, I can smell something in the air. I don't know, but we shall see. We shall see. But anyway, that's it for the review part. We gave Eddie his question. He, he passed the test this time. We did the news. If anything else <laughs> develops from now till the end of the show, then, uh, then I'll, I'll talk about that. Uh, we did the preview part. We brought in our sole guest. The final thing to do is to say goodbye to Eddie. Obviously, Eddie, this time we have tried to kind of rush the show as quick as possible. Next time, though, whether it's next week or the week after, whatever it be, um, you're going to do the lockdown knockdown segment again where we move into the fights after uh, after Klitschko, which, of course, still yep. there's still some big nights in there as well. No doubt about it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to... Jump right into the, the the one right after Vladimir, which came off of my came right brought me right out of my depression. <laughs> but but um it was um it was an interesting fight. Uh, so we'll go over it next time. Absolutely. Well, like I said, he thanks once again for taking part in this week's podcast. And um, yeah, I'm gonna come in with the outro in just a few seconds. But um, thanks, Eddie, once again. 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 265 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you, of course, to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the former IBF featherweight world champion, Lee Selby. Remember, Eddie's tough questions, Eddie's trivia quiz, whatever we're calling it, we need more questions sent in. Thank you, of course, again to Luigi Pelosi for sending in his one this week. But we need some more questions coming in um, via direct message for Eddie. Um, so send those in to me at Boxhard Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, there has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Uh, the Dubois-Joyce fight, which is set to take place on the 28th of this month. The undercard has finally been announced. Remember, it's not on pay-per-view. It's on regular BT. Um, we get to see Hamza Shiraz take on... Um, the, the Spanish fighter Guido Nicolas Pito. Um, Shiraz obviously eleven and zero. Pito is twenty six and seven uh, with two draws. We get to see Jack Catterall obviously in that number one spot um, with the WBO. He uh, has a bit of a tick over fight, I guess. Twenty five and zero. He takes on the uh, French based Tunisian. Abdurazak Huya, who is 14 and 2. That's over 10 rounds there at 140. Uh, also on the bill, we get to see the heavyweight, the undefeated prospect, David Adelaide. He is back again. We also get to see um, uh, Jack Massey, and we also get to see Joshua Frankham. They're all in, uh, you know, their own. Uh, little flights there. So all the best to everyone on that undercard, like I say. Really looking forward to that entire event. But that is about everything from myself. Thank you all for listening once again. It's always great that you tune in every week. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you do get any, any spare time, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes. That is literally the best compliment you can pay us. We really enjoy that. Um, enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.